Hey, you're listening to Where You've Been, a show all about reconnecting with old friends and giving you the chance to meet some incredible people. I'm Andrew Loy. Thanks for joining me. Ian, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks, Thanks. for having me, Andrew. No, no problem, man. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to have you here uh, in introducing you. Uh, I wanted to let everybody know a little bit of who you are. So you are, first and foremost, you are a husband and a father of of two two girls, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Two yeah. girls, 11 yeah. and eight. Oh my gosh. That's close to my, I have a, I have a 10 and an eight year old. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so here we go. This is, this is the rap sheet here, man. And this is, um, where I feel like suddenly not worthy, but I'm going to read this. <laughs> I'm going to read this off. This is what I've gathered and you may have to. So Ian, you are an associate professor at the, uh, university of Alberta. That's correct. Yeah. Is that correct? Yep. All right. I'm already a little intimidated. <laughs> no need. No need. <laughs> You're also the director of the Chester Roning Center for Study of Religion and Public Life. Is that yes, correct? Yeah. Chester Roning. Yeah. Roning. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All respect to Chester here. So, yeah. yeah. You, um, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then you, uh, an associate editor of the Journal of Hebrew Scriptures. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, man. Wow. <laughs> All right. Is there anything more that I need to know about? Like, uh, that, no, career-wise, that that's it. That that's pretty much. This is awesome. That captures it. <laughs> thanks for thanks for being here, man. I'm really excited. It's been a while since we've talked. Yeah, um, a really yeah. long time. Well, hey, we can't get started until we uh, introduce what what are we drinking tonight? And so I I, I guess tonight for not even tonight, but. We have different time zones we're working in here. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm over so, in the mountain time zone. So yeah, li- yeah. I got the east. behind you. A little bit behind. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. So that that could possibly influence what we're drinking. But th- I think we're playing it. We're we're doing good here. Yeah. So what 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 would you uh, suggest for today for us here? So man? I suggested coffee because it's it's right. two two thirty in the afternoon <laughs> when we started chatting. So that's that pretty much this time of day every day. Uh, I have a cup of coffee. Uh, I made a cup of coffee with my espresso machine. It's an Americano. Um, yeah, and I I love it. I drink way too much coffee. Do you drink a lot? I do drink a lot. But usually this is kind of the time of day that I, I cut back. So I'm pretty much drinking coffee off and on all day till around <laughs> 2, 3 o'clock. <laughs> and then I know I have to stop or else... I can't get to bed. So. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you've ever heard the podcast, I don't drink coffee at all. So I think I remember that about you. Like you've never yeah, really drank hardly coffee. ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this past year of doing these interviews, I've drank more coffee than right. probably ever. <laughs> it's in my probably life. everybody's like, "Yeah, I'll have a cup of Joe right now." Yeah, right. Right. So, so I ran. Literally, there's Dunkin' Donuts everywhere here. So <laughs> yeah, I ran yeah. down to the Dunkin' Donuts. And I got a, a black coffee. I didn't know how we were going to do it, and and so. I got a little bit of uh, oat milk and a little bit of sugar in here. Nice, just to just to get it down. So yeah, yeah. this is good, man. We are in the virtual cafe here, you and I. Yeah, uh, clinking glasses and and cheers to you, man. So cheers. Here we go. Let's do it. And I'm, I should say, I I usually do drink coffee black, but my last one of the day, so around this time of day, I will often throw some some cream and sugar in it just to kind of. Okay. Right. You know, to make it more of like a treat, <laughs> and not just not just a simple addiction. But 
a little bit on top there, <laughs> yeah, just to right. kind of sweeten yeah. the deal. Yeah, I like that, man. Well, hey, this is this is good. You know, I don't even know if my coffee's good. I don't. I I, I wonder if I gave it to you to try if whether you just like. I would probably love repulsed. it. So I do. Like I said, I uh, I have an espresso machine, and uh, it's a nicer one. And I, you know, I do enjoy good coffee, but I I don't think of myself as a coffee snob because okay. I will drink and enjoy any coffee. So we have, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. Um, in Canada, we have this place called Tim Hortons, Oh yeah, which yeah. is like the Dunkin' Donuts of Canada, right. basically. Yeah. Um, although they would be offended if any, <laughs> any of my Canadian friends heard me say that, but, um, but yeah, I, I will enjoy just as much, you know, a drive through coffee from Tim Hortons as I will like some super fancy, espresso from a coffee shop somewhere you do so. not discriminate when it comes to no. the, the coffee i like that man that's yeah. that's good this yeah, is a yeah. lot about who you are i like that <laughs> so. well hey let's dive in so that i found the best way to just get these things started is to kind of reminisce a little bit about about where we met and as i alluded to earlier uh clemson university which uh has for me been a just a, a, a just a bright spot in my past uh, of meeting so many wonderful people. And Ian, uh, that, that includes you. And um, I know we met while I was working at downtown community fellowship, mm-hmm. uh, a church at Clemson university. Uh, and, uh, and, and you were attending there, uh, yeah, but you, right. but you also uh, were very active in the life of the church as well. Um, I believe, I, I remember you being very active in our, in the band, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, uh, singing and playing. Uh, and I, I gotta be honest, there's times that I get these like the memories of you being up there and missing hearing you sing and play. Yeah. Um, cause man, you're talented. Yeah, and and well, that was like 20 years ago. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if, I hope you haven't stopped. Uh, yeah. Um, it's a good question. And actually <laughs> I, I, I thought about this. This is, this is a good thing to unpack actually for me. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's right. Uh, I was, I was at Clemson from 99 to 2003. Those were the years I was okay. a student there. And I think I probably started coming to DCF not right off the bat, but early on. Uh, so I can't remember what year you came to DCF, but I it was it was probably wasn't around... there in two thousand. Okay, the fall it, semester of two thousand. Yeah. Okay, it would have been similar because um, so I started at Clemson the year before, but I think it was my sophomore year, so probably around two thousand that I started attending regularly at DCF. Um, and I don't remember when I got involved with the band, but I think it was probably the next year. Mm. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. And I played some bass, played some guitar, um, especially in the summer when when it was a little thinner in terms of attendance and and for for volunteering to help out with the services and stuff. Mm-hmm. I know I, I led uh, the the music worship there quite a bit over the last couple of summers. I think um, uh, I haven't given it up. I do I do love playing and singing, uh, although much to my family's lament, I think. <laughs> I don't, I don't do it as much as those days for sure. Yeah. Um, and I haven't played, and this is going to be the shocker for you. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, I haven't played in a church really since probably the year after I graduated from wow. Clemson. I mean, may, I, I, I shouldn't say I haven't played in a church. I mean, I have played on and off 
I've played outside of a church, but I'm not playing inside of one. I'm not playing inside one. No, no, no. Uh, I haven't played outside of one much either, to be honest. Um, I think, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think. I've played in some weddings and maybe played here or there, like I think a few times when I've gone home. My my dad, who also plays and sings and is quite talented, um, plays at his church and I've, I've, uh, played with with him a few times um, at their church, but the, even that I haven't done in years. Um, maybe this is getting too heavy, too quick. But you know, <laughs> I had a a lot of you know those first few years out of Clemson were a tough f- few years, and we mm-hmm. can talk about that later. But um, I think that I, I kind of had some time to reflect on why I was interested in playing in churches. And just to be honest, um, the reasons were selfish. Like I, hmm. I think I, I think I was much more enthralled by and attracted to the idea of playing a guitar in front of people and being a kind of rock star than I was actually leading people in worship. Hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't know that I realized that at the time. And maybe it's a hindsight is twenty twenty kind of thing, but. You know, I I just I kind of lost a taste for it in the the few years after um, I was at Clemson and kind of actively avoided opportunities to do so just because I thought it was healthier for me to do that. Yeah. And then I've just never really felt comfortable again being mm. in that um, position. So I don't know if it was just that was kind of a moment in my life, and not to say that it wasn't a genuine moment when I was doing it. Like I. You know, I, uh, um, it meant a lot to me then. And I know that, um, like you said, like, you know, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I I think I do have some talents in that area. And so I I know that people recognize that and I was happy to do that and be a part of that at the time, but I really have not been, yeah, that hasn't been a part of my life in probably almost 20 years, 20 years. Um, Yeah. So that was, you know, a window of time where, where you and I, we're together as, as friends and, you know, live together. And that was a big part of our, our experience together. But it's interesting because it hasn't been. It's been different part, since yeah, then. Yeah. It hasn't, yeah. It hasn't been the same since then. So, and I still play guitar. I should, I wanted to say that too. Like, it, you know, I'm sitting, I know people can't see me, uh, anyone who might actually listen to this. Uh, <laughs> we have um, three people, so we're good. Okay, it's, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like I'm sitting in, in, a, in a guest room in our basement, which is also where my guitars and my amplifier and my pedals and stuff live. So I do, like I have a little setup here in the house and I jam regularly and and the kids and Sally often are telling me to turn it down and whatever. So I, I still... <laughs> You know, I, I still enjoy guitar and I play guitar regularly. I just don't do it in front of people anymore. Um, and, hmm. and uh, yeah, so. Well, I got to be honest with you. I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but I'm going to, I guess, bring it up now is that I I don't know if it's something you had been doing uh, regularly all the time, but I know during the start of the, the pandemic and mm-hmm. that you were posting these these videos of you playing. And, yes, yeah. And Ian, yeah. I got to be honest with you, man. Got so excited every time you did it. And I, I cool. was actually going to say later, but I'll say it now. I was like, you haven't done one in a while, man. Yeah, I know. And you know, um, I guess, see, even you're reminding me things about myself that were not that long ago. I mean, this was just last year. Mm. But maybe I did get a little bit of an itch, I think, 
in the months leading up to the pandemic and especially during the pandemic, like, you know, it was, it's a lot of fun playing guitar for people. Yeah. But I, I think, I, I don't know, as I've gotten older too, you know, and as you develop certain, I don't know what the right word is, but like neuroses about things or, <laughs> or anxieties about things. Like it's hard for me to play in front of people anymore, but mm. I can record it and put it on Facebook or Instagram. And then and I, you pe- should. people can watch it and I don't yeah. have to worry about, you know, dealing with the anxiety of seeing their response. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I was doing that for a while. Like every few weeks I'd record a little like one minute clip. So I'll have to do that again. I'll, I, I'll I, 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 I request that you would, yeah. man, because it's, I loved it. I, I really did. I enjoyed it a lot because uh, the stuff you were playing, I mean, I don't play, but I would imagine it's not like you know, someone just pulled a chord book out and started strumming. Like, you yeah. know how to play. Yeah. And you're good. I had a thing where I was trying to do, um, oh, what did I call it? It was something like riffs that are harder to play than they sound. And it was mainly because I, you know, I was sitting around. Do you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, there was this thing where people were like posting an album a day for 10 days or something. And then you had to tag people and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Nobody ever tagged me to do that, which I kind of was upset about. I was like, come on, where are my music friends are doing this game and no one's tagging me. So I just did it on my own. Uh, but anyway, I, you know, I'm sitting around the house listening to a lot of music and, and I'd hear guitar parts that I've listened to for years. And I'm like, yeah. oh, you know, that doesn't sound hard. Let me sit down and try to play that. And then I'd realize, oh, that, that's a lot harder to play than I thought yeah. it was. <laughs> So then once I'd get it, I'd be like, oh, I have to record this to prove that I did it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, that was the, the that's just a brief backstory to why I started doing those little clips. I am on board and I will promote people. Check it out because uh, <laughs> right. you still yeah. have it up on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a it's if you haven't seen Ian play because it's been limited in engagements since uh-huh. 20 years ago, yeah, right. then you need to see him play. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, bottom line is intentions, I understand that, man. But you are talented. I mean, let's be honest. You're very talented. And and I'll speak for I understand how maybe your intentions during maybe that time, you've done a lot of self-reflecting. and But I do feel, and I can say this, is that um, my response to your leading during that time, regardless of where you were, was genuine for me. So awesome. yeah. you still had impact on people that that maybe was, goes beyond your power to do that, right? Yeah. Or your yeah. intention to do that. And so um, that's a big part of my memory of you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so, Hey man, tough, tough cookies. Even, even, even if, uh, <laughs> even if the intention was you look back and reflect, I'm going to tell you, man, it still means it meant something to me. It still means something to me. So. Yeah. Thanks. And, and it, I mean, it meant a lot to me too. I mean, yeah. um, that was, you know, my, my time at Clemson, uh, obviously my, my life, where my life has ended up now is very different than what I thought it was going to be when I was at Clemson. I mean, I, I was a, a biosystems engineering major. I was going to say, I, 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 don't, I thought you were something, um, it was not what you're doing now. I know yeah, that. Yeah. And so that, you know, my studies at Clemson, my actual education, and this is probably true for a lot of people's college experiences, but, but my actual education, like, was had had a very minimal impact on my time (laughs) at clemson university Uh, although it was an excellent education and it's an excellent engineering school and yada 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 but um you know dcf um the friendships i made 
that, that, I mean, DCF was a huge part of it. Um, so, I mean, I, I more or less met my wife. uh, I was going to say you met Sally there, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had some other kind of circles where, you know, social circles that overlapped, but DCF was the main one. And that's, that's, I mean, we started dating, um, one summer when both of us happened to be around town in Clemson, you know, usually everyone, it's like the great exodus. People leave Clemson during the summer, but there was one summer where we stayed and we had known each other for a while, but, um, but yeah, started hanging out that summer, mainly because we were at DCF and doing stuff with you all, uh, Mm -hmm. all summer long. And, that's when we started dating and I loved that time. And yeah, so I don't want to diminish like, no, yeah, yeah. my, my, my guitar playing or whatever. Like that was, <laughs> that was, uh, that, that was a, a key component of it. But even more important to me at least was those relationships yeah. and you know, the, the, the friends I made, like I still keep in touch with all of you. Not great. Like, you know, like we said, we, we haven't talked face to face in almost yeah. 20 years, but yeah, but I have often thought of you and Sarah and Corey and Evan and all those folks and, and kept regular tabs on where you are. And so, yeah, yeah that was a really key moment in life, even though it was a short, short period, but it, it was influential for me. Is there anything, I guess, for you that that stands out of that time? Not, not even a memory that includes me, but just... Uh, well, that... you know, this popped in my mind just as you were talking, and maybe you can refresh my memory. We made a movie together. That was like only a few minutes long. I mean, it was, you know, I'm trying to remember. And and you you were kind of the brainchild behind it, I think. Or 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 I'm you were you were like the brains. It was your brainchild, is what I mean to say. <laughs> uh, you weren't the brainchild. You were the one who conceived of the this idea. Um, and I don't remember the name, but I remember we like dressed up like Braveheart characters and yeah. like ran it, like, was it called the reckoning or, yeah, or something yeah, or yeah. this is a random you, memory, but I, 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 yeah. Anyway, we had, so yes, we had, um, this, uh, downtown community fellowship, uh, film festival we did. Yeah. Yeah. Remember we did a film festival and, and, uh, I believe this was like the second or third year we did. I'm dusting my memory off now. And yeah, we, we came up with this, this story we got a bunch of guys together and and i'm sure the story made no sense i mean i can't even remember the story but yeah literally we we went out to i can't remember who's it was like a it's like somebody's like some, farm someone's farm yeah, yeah farm yeah. and we just kind of filmed <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I think, I think back was, now, did it even have dialogue i feel no, like it was maybe no. a silent film and so it, it was, was like yeah. you know there was some wrong that was committed and then it was like these guys banded together yeah to avenge yeah. this wrong and we were yeah. dressed up in like burlap sacks and we right. had mud all over <laughs> us and we had plastic You're swords right. and that's right anyways i have a photo of that somewhere and i hadn't thought about that in years oh i haven't either it man just, thanks for it just reminding me of that mind. no so i think it was to be honest i and i could be wrong and, and i'm maybe they can correct me on this but i believe evan hansen's like had a cousin or an aunt yes, who had a yeah. farm in that yeah, area yeah 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 i just remember having fun doing those things yeah and uh and i appreciated that a bunch of guys would kind of jump on board and do that yeah well yeah. i think i think too you know you're you're kind of you were a little older than than me at that point um but still like it you know as a as a university student college student like you're kind of 
you're kind of starting to lose your imagination some, you know, and maybe that happens even earlier as a teenager. Mm. Um, And then you definitely lose it, or at least I feel like I have over the years as I've gotten into my career and whatever. And then you have kids, if you have kids, if you're, you know, blessed with, I mean, I know Mm -hmm. you do, but like, yeah, yeah. Whoever's, yeah. As we, as we grow older, if we have children, then you have these moments to kind of rediscover your imagination, you know, with your kids. But I, all this to just, confirm what you're saying like i Mm. think it was one it was one of those moments where it's like hey let's make a crazy film together and let's let's you know get crazy costumes and come up with this narrative and um and show it to our friends at a at a a little mini film festival yeah and like you said probably everyone watching it was like what the hell are (laughs) But, (laughs) but we loved it and it was a moment where we got to really yeah bond over yeah just being creative and using our imaginations. So life after Clemson for you. And I, I, you know, I vaguely remember this and, and I don't, and it, maybe you can correct me, but you, you, did you go to New Orleans right after Clemson? I did. Yeah. So, so my story at Clemson, as I said, was I, I was a biosystems engineering major. And at the time that program doesn't exist anymore, but at the time they had like, <laughs> they had specialties you could, uh, you could choose. So one of them was like biomedical kind of stuff. Uh, the other one was agricultural. And then they had one that was environmental. Um, and so I, I did the environmental concentration. So I basically did a degree in environmental engineering, even okay. though that's that's not what they called it at the time. Sure. But I hated it. Like by year <laughs> by year two, I was like, I'm never This is the review section. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I said I'm never gonna be an engineer. You know, um, I just, I, I don't, I, yeah, for me, it was something I did because, um, family pressures, you know, expectations that I'll go into science and engineering and, you know, that's the kind of degree you need to get to get a job and whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, second, third year, I was like, I could switch, I could change my major, I could do something else, or I could fulfill these family expectations and get this engineering degree um, and just finish it out. And that's what I did. But the whole time, uh, I was thinking about other options. And DCF was a big part of that. You know, I thought, well, maybe I maybe I want to pursue ministry. This will get me to New Orleans. Sorry if I'm rambling about no, 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 all this great. stuff. But, um, it's great. Yeah, I I didn't know where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. But um, ministry seemed like a potential option. Um, uh, I took a course. I took several courses, actually, in religious studies while I was at Clemson to, to fulfill my humanities requirements. Yeah. And uh, one of them was a course on the Old Testament. Um, it might have been called Intro to Hebrew Bible, but it was essentially an intro to the Old Testament class. And it was uh, taught by Dr. Stephen Grosby, who actually just retired a few years ago. And he he introduced me to academic study of the Bible in a way that I had never, you know, somebody who grew up in the church and who was familiar with a particular way of reading the Bible and thinking about the Bible, like this class blew my mind. Yeah. Um, and so all these things were going on at once. And I was like, you know what, I, I think I, I, I want to keep studying the Bible, perhaps to train for ministry, but also because I just don't know what I'm doing with my life. Um and so I, I looked at a bunch of different options and a, uh, my, my parents at the time and still, um, were involved with a Southern Baptist church. 
and a former pastor who was an Old Testament prof at New Orleans at the time, and still might be there actually, at the New Orleans Baptist Seminary, was basically like, well, hey, you know, you should look at New Orleans. And I did, I, I looked at a bunch of different options, but New Orleans was one of the ones I looked at. And he encouraged me to come down, check it out, enroll in a general divinity program, um, and see kind of what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I did. Um, and I spent, I went down there, uh, spent almost two, a little less than two years there total. Uh, but it was pretty clear to me in the first year that ministry was not going to be it for me. I mean, I took like one intro to preaching class. I took a, a class on church planting or evangelism or something. And I just remembered like, I didn't like any of it. Like yeah. not, not because of the necessarily because of the, the content of the courses. I just knew like, okay. It's a fit I, I, for who yeah, you are. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm not a, a preacher really, which is funny because now I'm a professor, which is kind of like being a preacher in a way. Um, but without the pastoral care aspect. <laughs> Giving a crap about anybody. <laughs> yeah, right? I shouldn't say that, actually. I, mean, <laughs> I, I do kind of shepherd my students in a way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just knew, like, this, this wasn't for me. Um, and at the time, you know, what I really loved was, was Bible study and mm. learning more about the Bible and its history and the various ways that people read the Bible and think about the Bible. Um, were and then, you there during Katrina? Yeah. And so that, yeah. that's the next part of the story is basically, so I spent a year there studying. It was difficult for a number of different reasons. One, because I was kind of figuring out that like, eh, I don't really think I want to do an MDiv. Like I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't think I want to pursue a, a, a path in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also other reasons, like I was trying to figure out, you know, how I related to, to the, you know, to, to, this is a Southern Baptist convention. And, you know, I had big theological questions running around in my head and stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, then Sally and I got married. She was a year behind me at Clemson. So mm-hmm. got married after that first year. By the start of the second year, I was pretty sure that what I really wanted to pursue was academic biblical studies. And then the hurricane hit. Um, and that opened up. I, I mean, I could say a lot about that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it was both an awful experience. We were there. Uh, Sally is a registered nurse. And so she worked at Oxner Medical Center, which is a big, huge hospital in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, during the, the storm and in the aftermath of the storm, we were there for, for quite some time. It's still weird, even to this day, you know, um, however many years later, 16 years later, um, talking to people about their experience of it because, mm. you know, like we, we didn't have the media. I mean, we yeah. didn't have, we didn't have cell phone coverage, let alone television and radio and, and stuff like that. So, um, we were just kind of there, you know, Sally worked nonstop. Um, she was, she, there, there were stretches where she would work like 10 days, 12 hours on 12 hours off for 10 days. And I was just like trying to help out as much as I could, but you know, I had no medical training uh, I didn't even, even though I was a seminary student, I remember going to, cause we were living at the hospital for, you know, at least the first few weeks after the storm, um, while Sally was working and I was just mm. like sleeping on, literally sleeping on floors in the hospital. Wow, man. Um, and I remember going to one of the chaplains, I think they had like two chaplains on staff for this giant 11 story 
you know, hospital complex um, that's going through this major crisis and tragedy and being like, Hey, you know, I, I'm a seminary student. Is there anything I can do to help? And they were like, "Mm, not really. (laughs) They basically, they were like, you don't have the training and you know, we, you don't have your degree yet and you don't have your certification for hospital chaplaincy. And I'm like, people are dying here. And you know, here I am offering to be a support and help. And they're like, no, the liability. Yeah. Right. We don't want to be liable (laughs) liable. for any any psychological damage you might cause. Um, Anyway, so I, I spent a lot of time just like twiddling my thumbs and wondering, mm. you know, like what is going on? It's probably very and frustrating for you. It was. It was frustrating. Um, and at the same time, you know, like my wife is working herself to the bone. And yeah. we're, I mean, we're like 23 years old. Yeah, yeah. It, it was crazy. Anyways, it was, a, it was a very trying experience in a number of ways. But like I said, also kind of gave us license to break ties with, sort of where we were at that point in our life. And from there, we, we ended up in Boston, actually, just north mm-hmm. of Boston. Uh, I went, I, I transferred to Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, which is also a seminary and, you mm-hmm. know, where, where people go to, to train for ministry. But I went specifically to do a Master of Arts degree in, in Old Testament and Hebrew Bible and Biblical Studies. Um, and they, they had that option. And it, it was a good transition. Like, it was a much, uh, like, the academic the life at that school was much different than at New Orleans. And it, it gave me an opportunity to do some things that I was more interested in academically that I couldn't really do at New Orleans. So, Well, it seems like you've, as you alluded to earlier, how you have gotten a taste culturally of so many different places. You've got the South, right? You've got the North, which I'm sure you can see there's pretty big differences in the way yeah, that people yeah. are. And then, and this is an area which you you, you end up in in Canada, and and so so you get your PhD in in Canada. You stay there. You've yeah. been there since, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and so, we, go ahead. Oh, we, yeah. We came to Canada in two thousand and nine to do my PhD at the University of Alberta. Okay. Um. So we've been here, yeah, twelve twelve wow, plus years man. now. I've got two of your works that I, I just kind of want to throw out there, okay? Because okay. okay. I'm going to be honest, I have not read these things. That's okay? fine. So yeah, most people haven't. First one is is Oxford Press, the the kingship and memory in ancient Judah. This this yeah. seems like this was a big thing for you. Is this? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was it was the biggest thing that I've done academically. So that's that's a the book I published that was based on my dissertation research. Yeah. Um, and it has been my, you know, to put it bluntly, my ticket to a career in academia, yeah. you know. So I, I wrote my dissertation and um, I, the University of Alberta is a very good university. My teachers here uh, were, were world-class professors in their field. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, because I, I didn't have the kind of academic pedigree that um, that other people I was competing against on the job market had, I knew I had to make a big splash with publication and things like that to kind of make a name for myself and make myself viable on the academic job market. So when I was actually wrapping up my PhD, like I was still working on finishing up my dissertation, I started talking with, um, a contact at Oxford press uh, which is a big, you know, it, it's the yeah. largest academic publisher in the world, and and they yeah. do a lot of premier stuff in biblical studies. So, I thought, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna shoot high, <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah. and yeah, and they were just really interested. The the acquisitions editor was really interested in my ideas, and yeah, so that's that's the book I published um, 
uh, based on my dissertation and I've, I've published a number of articles and other things, but that's, that's my big contribution, I guess, to, to biblical scholarship. So I found, I found another article, I think it was an article you wrote or, and it's just the, the title of itself kind of jumped out at me and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so it's a little bit long. It says, uh, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to rule by sense Wait a minute. Did I write that right? No, no, that's right. By that's... sense of smell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Superhuman kingship in the prophetic books. Yeah. So, so... this is great. I, I read this and I was like, I got to ask, like, what's going on here? This is yeah, great. That one always, whenever, like, so when I was on the job market um, and I, would, you know, had some interviews and stuff and mm-hmm. usually they, you know, th- there's certain questions they ask you. And one thing you can usually expect is that they're going to look at your CV and like, oh, this this title stuck out to me. Tell me about this this piece of research you did. <laughs> you went for it, and inevitably people will ask me about that, like yeah. multiple times in interviews. People were like, <laughs> "So oh, I didn't fail. I'm consistent yeah, with a yes. good interview." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Good. Well, it's yeah. very very clever. It caught my eye, and I was like, "Oh man, this go go, Ian, man. This is uh, <laughs> uh, we we need this. We need yeah, this in our lives." Yeah, so, yeah. and so uh, let's let's talk a little about like life now, which we've been okay. doing. But yeah, let's yeah. you know you're you're a you're an associate professor you're yeah. living in uh the alberta area i'm assuming or mm-hmm. is that is that yep yeah we live in we live in camrose alberta which okay is a small town in central alberta it's about an hour southeast of edmonton which is okay. the closest big city and edmonton's a big city i mean it's it's a million plus people so <laughs> it's it's like roughly the size of charlotte or something okay um, okay so i i'm a prof and because i i teach like I said, I, I do Hebrew Bible as as you know, but um or or Old Testament, but but I don't get to teach a lot of that stuff just because of the nature of the campus I I work Where on and yeah. the, the programs that we have, right? Like yeah. like we don't have a program in, in biblical studies Old or Testament even in studies. ancient history or something right. that that I could could do like that. Um yeah, otherwise, like let's see, Sally and I were married in two thousand and four, so we just had our seventeenth wedding anniversary this yeah. past year. Yeah. Um we have two two little girls, eleven and eight. And so so let's talk about that for a minute. If you were to describe yourself as a dad, what kind of dad are you, man? In many ways I'm like the cliche dad. Like I'm <laughs> I'm like you know, you, you tell yourself you're gonna be different than your parents or whatever and you never end up being so but um, like I'm, I'm both like the stern one and the fun one, you mm-hmm. know, like I, like they, they definitely, in, as, as much as Sally and I have tried to like challenge the stereotypes of typical <laughs> fatherhood and motherhood, like we end up just reinforcing them, you know, <laughs> like I am, uh, I, I'm, I'm like usually pretty laid back about stuff. And, but then like when things get out of hand and they're not listening to their mother anymore, like I have to be the one who steps in and is like, now girls, you know, you need to do this or else, you know, these toys are going to go away or whatever. Like, so I'm, I'm it gets like, serious it, when dad comes in. Exactly. So right. I, you know, as much as I hate to say it, like I really do hate to say it, like I am kind of the disciplinarian, um, in the household, but I'm also the one who like, and this is of course a contradiction but I think a lot of us had dads like this. Like I'm also the one who lets them get away with stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and who like randomly will take them for ice cream and bring home candy and do stuff that Sally gets, you know, that I know I shouldn't do. I've worked I do. so hard, Ian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, you know, just to, to share some more about that issue from my perspective. Um, so I, I didn't lose my father, but my, my parents split up when I was very young, Mm. my, my biological parents. So I grew up with, with my mom and then she got remarried right before we moved. And, um, so my, my parents divorced and then my mom remarried and then we moved out East to South Carolina. Yeah. I vaguely remember you talking about, yeah. Yeah. My, so my, my stepdad was really my dad growing up. Um, and I was estranged from my biological father for over 20 years. Wow. And, um, it was an interesting process. Uh, long story short, um, around the time Ruth, my older daughter, first daughter was born. I had an opportunity, like I learned where he was and, and, Mm, uh, got access to his contact information. So I had this moment, my, my biological father, and I had this moment like, well, what do I do with this? You know? And, And I, I decided that this was for me, it was a big hang up for me, my whole life really, until I had my first child you know, this, you know, kind of identity crises about my father and, you Mm -hmm. know, and trying to figure out who I am in relation to both my stepdad, who was my dad, and then also my my other dad that I, that I, you know, knew very briefly as a young child, but hadn't seen in 20 plus years. Um, And I decided to reach out to him. And that has been a really good thing for (laughs) me. Um, There are family members of mine who weren't happy about it. Uh, but you know, for him, I think a lot of stuff was water under the bridge and, you know, it'd been a long time. So his life, he was a different person and his life had changed quite a bit since the time when I was young, but, um, was able to reconnect with him. And, and I, I told my, you know, told Sally and, and family members that, um, that like for me, I just didn't want as a father, I didn't want to have those skeletons in the closet. Like I wanted, I wanted my kids to know like my family history and know that, you know, that this was an issue that I had growing up trying to figure out my own identity as a son in relation to my estranged father and my stepfather and so on. And so I thought this will be earlier to do early to do either. Sorry, this will be easier to do early on. Yeah. Um, too many E's in that sentence. My, my got tied. <laughs> this will be easier to do early on in their lives, my children's lives, than, you know, waiting till they're like teenagers and then be like, oh, by the way, you have another granddad you never yeah. knew about, you know? Um, so we reconnected with him and it was actually really good. And then he ended up um, passing away rather unexpectedly from a oh. heart attack a few years ago. Wow. Um, so I'm really glad I, I did it. That's That's really brave. Yeah. And I'm, that. I'm glad that it did. The outcome was okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. cause it doesn't always end up that way. Sure. I mean, I know there are lots of people probably who have tried to reach out to estranged parents and have had not good experiences. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but for me it was, it was kind of like a, a, a way, it was a moment of closure and, and sort of bringing things full circle and has, has made me feel more comfortable about being a father, knowing that I was able to sort of reconcile some of those own issues in my past and in my life. I hope that in some way it's, it's shaping my fatherhood yeah. for the better. And well, in some ways you kind of, ca- you go counter of what the pattern that had been sent. Right. Set, yeah. Right? 
and I really, huge. you know, I do think it was a kind of pattern. I mean, my, my, my grandfather too, before him was, was not a stand up husband <laughs> or dad. <laughs> um, so I think these things do kind of, I mean, I, I, you know, they're not, not inherited per se, but yeah. they, this yeah. stuff is passed down, uh, in a way. And yeah. so even when I got married, I remember thinking like, this is a pattern I want to break. Like I, yeah. you know, I, I am not intending, and I'm sure that neither of them intended yeah, to no do the things like, they did yeah. either. But, but, you know, like for me, it was a conscious choice. It was like, yeah. I'm not going to be like my dad or my granddad in these, yeah. in, in this area of my life. So love yeah. that, man. Love it. Well, hey, so so moving on, right? I, I, I want to just, is there something in your life or something that you've been dreaming up? I want to just kind of throw that out there as what's next? Like what's the big, uh, what's, is there something that's brewing under the surface for, for the next part of your story? So I mentioned, or I alluded to earlier, I've really gotten uh, into cycling. I was, I yeah. was, um, I, so when I started at Clemson, like as a teenager, I got really into mountain biking. And my first two years for sure. And into my third year at Clemson, I did, I, I raced, um, did some racing, some mountain biking. And then I got really involved with like leading worship and bands and stuff at DCF and whatever. And actually that kind of took me away from cycling, which was fine. It was just, that was the season. Um, and then in new Orleans, I worked at a bike shop and got back into it for a little bit. Long story short, I've, I've had a like lifelong passion about cycling, but there was a, a long period where I really didn't do any cycling. Um, and I got this, I finally got a job here at the university and, you know, we bought a house and life seemed more settled and, yeah. um, and we had money to spend so I could buy bikes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not an inexpensive sport, unfortunately, but, mm. um, yeah, so I've gotten really into cycling, back into cycling the last few years, and that's just been really great. So I'm looking forward to continuing doing that. Like, and and uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't done a lot of racing in like almost 20 years. And um, uh, this past year, I was able to do a couple of events and awesome. and just had a lot of fun and like meeting. You know, my, my community is very much a university community. Like I'm mm -hmm. in this little academic bubble. Like, um, that's not entirely true. Like we have, we do have a church community as well that we're a part of and that gives me, but even, even a number of those folks have ties to the university yeah. somehow. So yeah. cycling has been a way for me to kind of get to know different pockets of, of people in Alberta. And then also, um, even, globally and around around Canada and beyond Canada too. So there's this this is gonna seem super nerdy if you're not into cycling, <laughs> but there's this uh there's this cycling video game basically called Zwift. Uh -huh. Have you okay. heard about Zwift? Do you know anything uh, no, about Zwift? No, okay. No. Unless you're into cycling you wouldn't have heard about it. But it's not it's not Peloton. So that people instantly are like, oh Peloton. Yeah, it's okay. not it's not a Peloton kind of thing. It's a um it's it's a game that's uh that's connected to an indoor trainer um okay. and nowadays they have trainers that are smart trainers um that will change resistance for you based on you know a certain workout or whatever and so imagine yourself like looking at a video game screen and there's a little cyclist uh -huh. and like when he goes up the hill the trainer that your bike is on will provide more resistance to the rear wheel to make oh, it feel like okay. you're going up a hill and the technology is such that it's actually really immersive like it, wow. it's pretty good i mean it's not the same as riding outside of course but so anyways there's this game zwift 
and it's all it's online and so you can do like group rides and training workouts and even races like there's huge race series and all kinds of stuff that you can do online with other people wow and i have never really been a a gamer like the kind of gamer who like puts on a headset and you know sits in the basement (laughs) all night uh with people um but i basically am now because of cycling (laughs) so Uh, you know, as you said, in Canada in the wintertime, you can't do a lot of stuff outside. I was just going to ask you, like, it's a tough sport, I think, to probably be doing where you're at. Yeah. So this, this indoor cycling app game, um, has been a godsend in that way. Like, uh, I can cycle all year round. That's awesome. I just do it virtually on this game. And the reason I mentioned it was just to say, um, I'm, I'm like a member of a club uh, that's actually called dirt. It's, it's short for dads inside riding trainers. Um, and it's now, if I would have go in a time machine back to 2000 and said, Hey, listen, uh, you (laughs) in 2021, you're going to be part of a dad's group that, you know, like, what would you say? (laughs) You're going to be living in Canada in your basement on a bicycle that connects to your computer and and i would have just laughed and been like give a good one andrew yeah good one um so i share all that nerdy cycling stuff to say like i i over in the last couple years um and really i i really got plugged into it during the pandemic because yeah made sense yeah um but i've been able to develop this community of guys uh that's great that i I quote unquote ride my bike with every day. I mean, like guys in Australia and the UK and so cool. South Carolina and, you know, and also guys that live right down the street from me who are still are doing the same thing too, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited about that, that it's given me a kind of different or new and different community to be plugged into. Well, tell you what. Uh, I'm gonna. I got a few more questions. These are more the random. We're gonna move into the random uh, question phase here. If you were to name one thing about the states that you miss, what do you miss? Barbecue. Oh, good one. Yes, I miss Carolina pulled pork barbecue. Uh, I, I, it is like visceral. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I think I missed that when we lived in Massachusetts too, but you know, like, yeah, it's not as, yeah, it's hard to, I mean, it's around like even we yeah. had a place here in Alberta in Camrose, a town I live in that opened up. It actually went out of business. Maybe that says something, but <laughs> no one's eating that, it. that did barbecue. And it was just, I, I was like, this isn't barbecue. This isn't, you know, this isn't what I'm, I'm wanting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I hear you, man. That's um, a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So, so if you were in South Carolina, where's your go-to? Do you have a, do you have a go-to? You know, I don't even know if these places are around anymore and their names are escaping me too. Cause it's been so long, but there was a place in Taylor, South Carolina that, um, that Alan Tipping used to work at. Actually. Alan you Tipping. Remember, you remember Alan from DCF? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Props to Alan. He used to rub pork butts, uh, <laughs> I think it was Alan. Watch, Alan will listen to this and he'll be like, it wasn't me. I never did that. It wasn't like Little Pigs or something, was it? Oh, maybe. Yeah, see, I don't even remember. Yeah, so the the short answer to your question is I don't have a go-to place. Gotcha, Because I have been away from South Carolina. Like, I haven't lived in South Carolina in 20 years. All right. Well, hey, so so I, I was doing a, and this is always kind of a, like a creepy thing, right? But I was doing a deep dive 
in a little bit of your your documented social media Uh-oh. history. December twenty fourth, two thousand fifteen. You had a squirrel encounter. I had a squirrel. Oh you, man. Do you do you okay? I do so remember so this. can can you can you give us a little? I'm sure most people. 2015 in the era that we live now seems like decades ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so. Oh man. Okay. This was <laughs> so when we first moved to this town. When I first got this job, it wasn't a permanent job at first, and so we rented this house, which was an old house, and it had been a. You know, we live in a, a college neighborhood. Most of the houses are like 50s bungalows, even 40s. Some of them, well, some of them are like from the teens. So some of the houses are quite old, but most of them are 40s, 50s. Um, And we lived in this old rundown house that had been a college rental for like years and years. You know, we were the first like non 19 year olds to rent this house, I think. And the house was taking a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Well, and the neighbors too. They were like, oh, Uh, yeah. So there's not just going to be like huge piles of beer cans on the back porch anymore. (laughs) Um, So we moved into this house and it wasn't in the best shape. Uh, So this is just setting the scene for you. And I'm trying to remember how the squirrel got in the house. I think what happened was the, the dryer vent. So like the, the hose, you know, that goes out. So the, yeah, the, exhaust, the dryer was the in the basement or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and there was no like, like shield or like, like, um, the word is escaping me like grate or like mesh, you know, stuff to keep things from getting into the dryer vent or not like a little flap that would blow out or whatever. Right, right. And I was doing the laundry one day and I hear this like rustling around in the the space behind the dryer. And I, I should go back and reread my post because I don't even remember <laughs> all the details. But a squirrel had gotten into the hose. Like it had climbed into the, you know, exhaust port of the dryer vent and down into the back of the dryer and was like thrashing around in the hose <laughs> that, uh, um, yeah, that was connected to the dryer. And I had no idea what was going on. Oh man, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. But he ate his way out. And then there was a squirrel <laughs> in our basement. And it was like a whole thing. Nice. I was home with one of the girls or both of the girls. And it was like, I like put on gloves and a mask or something like, you know, and a broom and like closed all the doorways, except the one, uh, there was like a stairwell that went out of the basement to a back door off the side of the house or back of the house. And I like opened that door and it was wintertime because it's Christmas Eve. And I remember yeah. like having this battle with this squirrel to chase him out of <laughs> Full the Full Clark Griswold. Yes, yeah, it was. It was like, totally yeah. a Clark Griswold thing. But the funniest part, and I know this isn't as funny as, as the actual story because I can't remember all the details, but it was like how I discovered that there was a squirrel inside of the thing. <laughs> and I remember, I do remember there was like a moment where the squirrel and I stared each other down, you know, and it was like, <laughs> ah. anyway, definitely a Clark Griswold kind of moment. So final question here is that just, and, and this is one to kind of in the heart of like why I'm doing this, who is somebody maybe that's been in your life whatever phase of your life that maybe you have asked that question of like, I wonder what they're doing right now. Yeah. Like, is there anybody that comes to mind for you? Oh, wow. Um, um, 
Oh yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, I mean, there are there are for sure. I, I can think of multiple people. I'm trying to think of somebody that I could to narrow it down though. And it, like I said, it doesn't have anybody. Like it doesn't have to be someone you know that I, that's in my sphere of knowledge or just anybody that maybe that. Yeah. Um, experience. I feel like, yeah, it's hard to say because I, I hate I hate excluding people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm too nice of a guy. I want to talk about lots of people. Um, There's that one person is like he's he's gonna, gonna say gonna my say, name. Yeah. Is it gonna is it yeah, gonna yeah. be me? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, this 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 name keeps popping back into. Uh, into my mind. So I'll, I'll just say this one and it is somebody, you know, and it's somebody that I, I've kind of lost touch with over the years and which is crazy because we were super close. Um, uh, but is Walt Tanner. Um, wow. I would really like to catch up with Walt and I have kept up with yeah. him. I shouldn't say I haven't kept up with him. Like I, I, he and his wife, Betsy, like I know, I know what they're up to and I'm connected with yeah, him on social yeah. media and stuff, but I haven't really talked to him and his wife who, who were both, you know, Walt was my roommate. He was my best man in my wedding. Like we, we were tight yeah. and he was a big part of DCF, but yeah. So Walt and yeah. I have kind of lost touch. And again, I only went into that long explanation just to say like, it's not like our friendship ended or anything. We just, yeah, this, you have this big Beatles. Yeah. Right. Out type yeah. Moment yeah, of, yeah right. exactly. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to take things yeah. in a more psychedelic direction. And I was, <laughs> I go. was very happy with the old school suits and the, the there, you go. Cuts. there you go. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, uh, I I just want to say thank you for giving me a couple hours of your time to to connect. It's it's really been fun. I'd say anybody who's who listen who knows Ian, reach out, uh, shoot him a comment yeah. or, or, or a message or a send, DM send or me whatever. Requests for uh, guitar licks. Yes. <laughs> yes, please yeah. do. Um, and I might. Yeah, do it. Do it. Hey, well, yeah, I I also want to say thank you. I really appreciate it. I was super pumped when awesome. you contacted me, and I'm really thankful for this opportunity to catch up some, and we'll have to keep in touch so we can catch up some more. And let me just say, too, like, yeah, that, that, that time at Clemson, although it was very short, was very um, mm-hmm. formative for me and, you know, you and... Win and Corey and um yeah like I think about you guys all the time and so uh I yeah I I was really jazzed about being able to chat with you today and I'm glad we got to do it yeah me too man thanks a lot thanks so much Ian for joining me today I had such a blast that I decided hey let's release a bonus episode Uh, We're going to do that on June 10th, which is this Friday. That's going to focus a bit more on Ian's academic work. Uh, It was so interesting to hear some of the stuff that Ian's been doing. And I thought, hey, maybe the audience would enjoy it as well. So check it out. If you'd like to be in contact with me or Ian, you can do so at whereyoubeenpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, But I encourage you to go check out Ian's Instagram, especially as he's got some incredible guitar solos on there. Maybe make a request as well. All right. End credit spiel. Here we go. So share the episode on social media. It's much appreciated. If you get the chance, please review the show as that's appreciated as well. 
You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get it over at whereyoubeen.buzzsprout.com. All right, next week, I'm not going to say much. All I am going to say is Adam and Leah Hux. Thanks for listening. See you next week.